Welcome to Every Moment His. This sermon was preached from the pulpit at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska, and we pray that you are blessed by the preaching of God's Word. And so James chapter 2, James, the brother of Jesus, writes this, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works? When she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. O Lord, have mercy on us. Deliver me, O Lord, my God, for you are the God of my salvation. In you, O Lord, do I put my trust. Leave me not, O Lord, my God. Deliver me, O Lord, my God, for you are the God of my salvation. Well, we see in this text um, a strong. Uh, argument against a type of faith that has no works. Uh, And as we kind of look at this text, I'm going to bring up two errors that we can make when we think about faith and works. The first error is the error of thinking that our works can save us so that we are justified by what we do, by our attempts to please God or to be righteous before each other. We know that these things can't save us. Our works are uh, filthy rags before God. There's always a tint of our sin in our works. Even our best intentions have selfishness in them. And so our works on their own cannot save us. We need to be rescued by our Savior, Jesus Christ. So this is a, a false type of faith. A faith that trusts in works alone. 
There's a second error, and really what's being addressed today is this intellectual faith that has no works at all. It's a general knowledge about God. It's the same kind of knowledge that the demons have, and they shudder. They know about God, but it doesn't impact their heart, and it doesn't change their habits and their way of life. And this, too, is a false kind of faith, James argues. Both of these errors are damning. And so this is a very serious conversation that James is having with the churches he's writing to, that these are crucial things to get right, and salvation depends on it. Both of these mistakes are fatal. And so he's addressing this. He says, faith without works is a serious concern. And there are so-called Christians who refuse to live in love toward their neighbors. He's definitely not saying that you can be saved by your works, so don't worry about that. He's also already stated this as much in uh, the beginning of this book, in James chapter 1, where he writes this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a, a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So James is saying, we are brought forth by the word of truth. God has created faith in us. He has saved us by his work, and we are his first fruits. So we're not causing our salvation by our works. He wouldn't argue that. But he is pointing out that if we have a true faith, Works will always be there. there are the they are the fruit of our salvation, the evidence of our salvation, but they're not the root of our salvation. They're the outcome of people who are saved by God, but it's not what causes us to be saved. And so he's pointing this out. So let's look at the text together. Let's look at verse 14. Listen to his argument. He says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? And this is the key question. Can that kind of faith save him? So he's pointing out that there's a false faith and a true faith. The false faith says, I have faith, but I have no works. I have no love for those other people around me. And he says, This is not a saving faith. He goes on to say, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, so someone's literally starving, struggling to eat, and one of you says, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? And so also faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. And so we look and see, you know, obviously this is not what our Lord would want, people saying they have faith but having no love for the neighbor. And he actually, if you look at what he says, he's kind of mocking this position, saying, go in peace, be warmed, be filled, but not providing that. Uh, it's actually just a veneer of hypocrisy. It's kind of even more biting than that, because as we say, go in peace, sometimes in church, we'll give the peace of the Lord to each other, giving the peace of the Lord. This is uh, imitating the Lord himself. When the Lord Jesus healed people, he would say, go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. 
When he fed them, he would give them his peace, making all things well with them. And when Jesus himself went to the cross, died for our sins, gave himself up to reconcile us to God the Father, the first thing he said to his disciples when he met with them in the upper room after the resurrection is, peace be with you. So this language of peace is a rich language that's meant to convey well-being and ensures it. It actually performs it. It gives well-being to the people that it's said to. And this is the words of Jesus himself. And so often when Paul or one of the apostles or the writers of the scriptures would address the people of God, they say, grace and peace to you in, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. But here, these words are being used as a distraction. They're saying, peace be with you, the same peace that Jesus brings to us, but not providing those needs, not actually doing anything. In other words, it's using this religious language as a veneer to hide selfishness and uncaring. And that's what he's mocking and addressing here. And certainly, he's asking this question, can that kind of faith save anyone? And here he has in view the final judgment. And so the question is, when we go before Jesus and there's a final judgment, we're being judged uh, for what we've done and the faith that we have, is Jesus going to say, oh, okay, uh, you have faith, okay, check, but you didn't do anything out of love for your neighbor. All right, that's no problem. No problem. Oh, you, you have faith, but you didn't care about the poor at all? You didn't care about their plight? Oh, that's all right. I don't really care about poor people either. Is that Jesus? Or, oh, you knew there was a God out there. You knew about salvation. You knew about the cross and the, and the empty tomb. You knew about all these things in your head, but it didn't change the way you lived. It didn't change the way you raised your kids. It didn't change the way you used your money. It didn't change the way you looked at your neighbor. It didn't change anything about your life. Oh, but you have faith? Okay, rubber stamp, next. Is that the kind of God that we serve? He says, no. That, of course, if we have faith, that our hearts will be changed, made soft towards our neighbors, and we'll be compelled by the Holy Spirit to love our neighbor in the same way that the Lord Jesus has loved us. And so the Lord would most likely say to someone who shows up on that day with this kind of attitude and this kind of faith, this unsaving faith, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? We're not saved to do whatever we want. We're saved for the Lord's purposes. And we cannot separate our works from our faith. We cannot partition, my faith is over here or even here in between my ears, but it's not in my heart, it's not in my hands, it's not in my time, it's not in my money. These things always go together. And so he's addressing this very strongly. He's taking them to task that people should not use this religious language to cover their lack of love and their, love of, their lack of care for their neighbors. This is not saving faith, he's arguing. Look with me again in verse 20. He says this. He, he shows them from the scripture their mistake. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? 
Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works, and the scripture was fulfilled. And that it says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Here he brings up two examples from scriptures to uh, get to his point. And he brings up two people, Abraham and Rahab. And they actually have a lot in common. Abraham was called by God. He was likely the uh, pagan. He was a pagan. He came from people who likely worshipped the moon uh, in the land of Ur. And God called Abraham, leave your people, leave your family, come to the land of Canaan, and I will make you a great nation. And through your offspring, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Now, if you think about that story and what happened, if Abraham said something like, oh, yes, I believe you, God, but then he did not pack his bags. He did not actually go to the, the land that God called him to, and his works did not follow his trust. Would that be a true trust? Would that be true faith? Or when God tested Abraham and said, take your only son Isaac, the one that I miraculous gave you, miraculously gave you, and sacrifice him on the mountain to me. And Abraham said, well, I don't think God's going to go through with this, but you know what? I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do what God has called me to do. My actions are not going to follow his words. But yeah, I trust him. Would that be a true trust? And he's pointing out, of course it wouldn't be. It would be absurd. Similarly with Rahab, uh, Rahab was uh, in the city of Jericho. She had heard likely about this God who had brought his people out of Egypt and that this God was going to judge her people in, in the city of Jericho by his command. And she said, oh, I believe that. I believe that about this God, but I'm not going to get involved. Would that have saved her? Truly, she would not have been saved. She would have been destroyed with the rest of her city. But because she believed that word from God and then she acted on it, and she invited these two spies, and she saved herself and her family by helping them. And God had compassion on her and forgave her, her and her whole family. But if she had said, yeah, I'm just not going to get involved. That sounds difficult. Would that be true faith? And this is what he's pointing out. He's saying, no, it wouldn't be. See, faith is always brought into our hearts and goes to action. It's not just knowing about God. It's trusting what God says and following. That's true faith. And so both of these things point out that faith can never be isolated and just an idea we assent to, but rather uh, works and actions always follow. Martin Luther said it really well when he said this, faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace so sure and certain that a man could stake his life on it a thousand times. And this is the key. True faith stakes its life on the words of God. 
doesn't just know about God, but bets everything that God's saying the truth and lets that truth define life and action. And this is what James is pushing against. Any person who would say, oh yes, I believe, but it doesn't actually change the heart. Oh yes, I believe, but my habits are going to maintain exactly the same. My lifestyle will be exactly the same. The words I speak will be exactly the same. The places I go and the people I hang out with, exactly the same. Uh, What I spend my money on, exactly the same. What I watch on TV and on the internet, exactly the same. It won't have any actual impact on my life. This is not saving faith. In fact, this is a deadly heresy that will lead us away from God and away from the truth. And so what does this mean? That a life lived without good works toward your neighbor is a life that can condemn people? Yes. We are guilty of the things that we do breaking God's law, we're also accountable for the things that we do not do. Um, Both are, we are guilty of, both we need forgiveness for, and we must live a new life in Christ. Jesus teaches us this very strongly as well, that we will know a tree by its fruits. That is, our good works are the revelation of the Spirit's work of faith within us. A soul that trusts ultimately in the death and resurrection and return of Jesus for their sake will be eager to do the good works that God has called them to do, eager to do the gracious will of their master. And we cannot have it both ways. We will learn to love our neighbor as ourselves. Our own confessions uh, in our book of Concord state this well too, that good works certainly and without doubt follow true faith. If it is not dead, because a living faith as, fruit, as fruits of a good tree always produces the same. And so, to summarize this, uh, good works are the fruit of our faith, but not the root. But if we see no fruit of faith, we can rightly question if there's any root at all. If we indeed are a, a good tree. Faith alone saves us, faith in Jesus, but faith is never alone, Martin Luther said. Works always follow it. And so thanks be to God, our God has saved us from a dead faith, saved us from a faith that will not lead to salvation, saved us with his own life, his own death. He died on the cross for the wrongs that you have done, but also for those wrongs that you have not done, those things you have not done in good faith towards your neighbor. The Lord lived a perfect life and took our place for all of us who continually neglect the needs of our neighbors and are so slow to be moved in love towards them. The Lord died for all of us and all of those sins, both those things we have done and those things we have not done. And he has saved us for himself, And for a new life, he has saved you for a life in his service and in service to the world. The scriptures teach us this very well. Titus chapter 2 says it particularly well, that we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us 
to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. You see, God calls us into his presence, forgives our sins, grants us new hearts, and makes us zealous for good works in his name. Ephesians 2 says it similarly, and you're probably likely familiar with this one. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so the life of Christians is the life of good works. We do them humbly, knowing that they're not our salvation. They don't cause our salvation, but they flow freely from the salvation that the Lord Jesus has given to us. And if we don't have works, we can't say that we have faith. Now, if you're worried about this, and I think as soon as we're talking about the works that we should be doing for our neighbor, a question that comes into our minds is, have I done enough? Am I doing enough? And the answer is, no, you're not doing enough. You'll always have to rely on God's grace because your works will never be sufficient in and of themselves to save. And you can always do more, it turns out, in this life. We don't look to our works to be assured of our salvation. Instead, for that, we look to the sacraments. We look to the word of Christ, the word of forgiveness. We look to our baptisms and to the supper. That's where our assurance is found. But we do look to prove our faith to the world and to others by our good works. Our good works come from our faith, from a new heart. And so, dear friends, learn this lesson carefully tonight. Reject wholeheartedly the idea that we are saved by our works. No one will be saved by works of the law. We are saved apart from our works so that nobody can boast. Reject that. It's completely false. But also reject wholeheartedly the idea that someone can have faith but not have any change of life, not have any works of love to their neighbor. This too is completely false. And I fear that this is the problem that we more likely struggle with in our times. Instead, embrace the faith of Jesus Christ, the faith that sent him to the cross, the faith that he took in good works for you and for me. Embrace the faith that Jesus teaches us to rely on him for our salvation and to love our neighbor as ourselves who, while we were still sinners, died for us in pure grace, that we might live a new life before him, imitating him as the Holy Spirit animates us for his purposes. This is the way of our faith. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope it was useful for you. If you found this particularly useful, you can share this episode with friends or family. You can also subscribe to our podcast and whatever platform you're using or give us a review that really helps other people find our podcast. 
This is also a teaching ministry of Holy Cross in Carning, Nebraska. And so if you do not have a church, we would love to welcome you into our community to build you up and to share the joy of salvation with you and the rest of the members here at Holy Cross.